Welcome to the Trades Podcast, a podcast about the business of home improvement and promoting the trades to young adults. Love it, love it. Well, we got techno, metal, post, pikes, peak, region in the house right here. We're recording at the Ignite BBB Podcast Studio in San Diego, but you guys are in different regions. Like you said, uh, we got one in uh, Palmer Lake, Colorado. Who, who's in Palmer Lake? Actually, that's where our company is located. So we uh, are just techno metal post Pikes Peak region. So that's where we started our company um, in in four different counties, and uh, we've expanded into the south part of Denver as well. So we're actually a a dealer. We're one of 155 dealers worldwide, uh, um, and you know we're the only one in Colorado, and we're pretty much the the furthest west dealer in the united states there is one guy in alaska as well but we're we're pretty much the western u.s and uh, we do a lot of work all around colorado and we've stepped in the wyoming and kansas and texas and um utah did a job in utah last year as well so oh, cool but mostly mostly the front range of colorado um you know east of the rockies is where we work and then we, we do go up into the mountains a little bit but uh what we do is you know install helical piers and it's a steel pier that um, we have machinery that screws them into the ground and uh, for decks additions um, ground mounted solar arrays there's basically anything that attaches to the ground and uh yeah it's a great product and yeah we love what we do it's pretty hard work some days uh, it's dirty work uh, we could be on the micro dirty jobs easily because we, we all come away with torn up clothes and um, yeah we're constantly greasy dirty from handling steel but um, yeah it's fun we're in a different place almost every day uh, we travel a lot you know daily to get to the jobs in south denver and and so on but um yep so that's that's what we do awesome and, and who do you have with you tim um these are my two sons cody uh old, a little bit older and logan um and we i also have a daughter and another son um that are not part of our company but um, they do their their thing as well so okay. we've been um doing this business for about nine years now and um Logan and Cody both been involved um, since about the first year, year and a half in. So um, it takes a takes quite a while to get this business rolling. Um, you have to do a lot of uh, a lot of marketing and a lot of touching base with you know different contractors. Um, although we do have a, a part of our company, um, you know they have an online. Uh, information request forms so we get a lot of you know homeowners that contact us via our website our company website and uh, we do a lot of work with mostly with contractors i'd say about 80 percent contractors and 20 percent you know homeowners so but these guys do a lot of the installs and um i jump in every now and then as well when we have a bigger job and need need some more hands and uh, we've also typically will hire somebody uh, in our busy season, which is spring and summer, although now it's getting to be into the fall um, as well. In November, October, November were our two busiest uh, 
months this year, which is real odd. It's usually springtime. Yeah. So, so the, the snow, the freeze has a, um, impact on your ability to do business or is it more of the builders that are slowed down and just not needing you at the time? Yeah, I think it's, it's a little bit of both. We've had some very mild winters, so we were able to work through the end of December, typically, uh, right up till Christmas. It's usually really busy. And then, uh, yeah, you're right. Permitting for jobs, I think slows down quite a bit in the winter time. Uh, but we, gosh, we stay busy year round. We have only a few days off, you know, each month for in the January, February, we'll get some weather delay, blizzards, conditions, and then Colorado being what it is, you know, it's always very nice. Usually it'll snow and then the next day it can be 60 degrees and everything melts and dead of winter, it, it does get a little tough to get our equipment out and, you know, get, get going. But um, that's part of being self-employed, I guess, is you got to you know, always chasing the money. So we're going out in the, the bad weather and whatever else just to make it happen. So. Interesting. You said you had a couple wild, uh, mild winters this last couple of years. Not, not according to my son, who's from San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah we, we got a lot of California drivers out here too, that they're, I think they're fresh from California and, um, they're not very seasoned driving on ice and what not, but yeah, it's, I've lived here my whole life and so yeah. my sons and we're pretty used to the, the weather conditions, but it, yeah, it can get pretty, pretty bad. Um, but pretty mild actually from what I remember as a kid. <laughs> so yeah, I'm sure, uh, the, the different perspectives there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, it's exciting for one thing that we're, we're gathered here with you guys and, you know, to one promote, um, you know, the construction trades, the young adults and through, through your guys's, uh, background, um, you know, like you said, you've been in the, uh, this industry for about nine years with the business, um, uh, family business, and you guys have been able to cater to, you know, your 80, 20% of contractors and 20 on the consumer side of things. Um, wh where did it all start for you guys? Are you, do you guys have a deeper background in the trades, um, or in the construction area past that nine years of when you started all this? Um, yeah, I guess let me start because I go the furthest back. I actually have a, a, a pretty interesting, um, background. I, I have a bachelor's degree in wildlife biology. I always wanted to be involved. I love to hunt fish, be outdoors. And so I kind of went that way in my formal education. Um, and then I got sidetracked into education and got a master's degree in computer science. And so, and then ended up, gosh, taught school for high school and middle school for eight years. And then just kind of hit a wall where I just felt like I, I needed to do something else. So I got my contractor's license and started building, um, doing additions and basement finishes and, um, you know, ultimately building big custom homes and did that for gosh, about 20 years. And then, um, about nine years ago, decided that had hit another wall and was just tired of doing, um, 
doing what I was doing and, uh, but learn, you know, obviously you learn a ton when you're at each, each phase of your life and your career. Um, you know, it's, uh, you learn very different things and it's always, I think they're good stepping stones for, you know, the future. I think what I see a lot talking to other people now is that they, especially young people is they think they've got to get into something, um, permanent, you know, they've got to train for, to be an electrician, um, a plumber, a doctor, a lawyer. Um, and I think all those things are, it's okay to change your mind about your career path. And most people do. And, you know, I think you, you just have to look at your career, um, you know, at each phase as a stepping stone to the next thing, because you learn so much, you know, doing various things that uh, you can't despair. If you don't like what you're doing, then go do something else. Because um, we, you know, we have the power um, to change what our lives are like and to turn out, hopefully, you know, the way we want it to go. And if it doesn't, then go do something else. So, you know, my background, I would say I wouldn't necessarily pursue, if I had it all to do over again, I might end up being maybe an orthodontist or something like that. Um, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't know if I would even pursue a formal education through university um, just because it um, and you learn a lot of things, but it's so expensive now that I think I would go a, the trade route and, you know, get myself as to be an electrician or something like that. But um, Cody, how, how did you you kind of went my path and then um, ended up here doing this? But <clears throat> Yeah, so um, out of high school, kind of, well, I graduated in 2006, and really at that point, the only option that was talked about amongst most of my peers in the school was you go to college, get your four-year degree, get it and whatever, and then figure it out, and um, I think that's changed a lot now, but uh, back then, options were pretty limited. So I actually got a degree. Oh, pardon my cat. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I got a degree in history um, and was always interested in that. Um, but yeah, I went and taught like my dad for uh, five years. Uh, but always in the back of my mind, uh, there was the option to join family business. Um, I had worked, gosh, probably since I could at least swing a hammer, uh, 13, 14 during the summers, I'd go help out construction with my, uh, with my dad and, uh, Logan when he was older. And so having that option, uh, was, was great and always loved working outdoors and, um, but yeah, when the opportunity presented itself, my dad, you know, bought a dealership, Techno Metal Post, and it was like new opportunity, get to work with our hands, uh, get to build and create something together was, that was really exciting. So that was kind of my journey. Uh, no regrets being a teacher, you know, you get to experience what it's like, um, to to have a lot of bosses over you deal with the bureaucracy and um see where 
especially the youth today is kind of lacking in, in terms of opportunities and uh, the trades are a, a great, great avenue for young people to earn a living, to master a craft, to feel like they have meaning in in this world today. And so um, it's very exciting to be a part of it. And I want to encourage anybody that's listening or uh, thinking about joining any kind of trade, whether it's plumbing, electrician, uh, framing, learn it, master it. Uh, you have far more opportunities in that avenue than um, than otherwise, I think. So, mm-hmm. so, so, so yeah, I got, that's kind of... I got, I got a question for you. So you've done yeah. you, three basic things. Well, four. You've helped out your dad growing up, mm-hmm. went mm-hmm. to college, got a teaching job. Now you're uh, working in the family business. Mm-hmm. You're still relatively young. Yep. So from your perspective, with, could you, if you could go back and reorganize, do all the same things but do them in a different order, do you think that, that would be more fulfilling for you, more financially uh, uh, better off. Um, what What do you think? Just like changing the order up. I mean, you probably can't change yeah, the I, first thing helping your dad out and growing up. Right, but. right. I was stuck, you know, no choice. But yeah, um, no, it was. I I would seriously consider not even going to college at all. I mean, I appreciate my experience, but if I could go back, I would certainly focus on on some trade stuff a little more. It you know, I'm still paying student loans to this day. So, you know, if you don't know exactly what you want to do, I kind of did, but teaching is not how you pay your way out of getting your degree and things like that. And if there's uncertainty, which there was, I mean, there was a little bit for me, it would, I would have slowed down and it's okay to slow down instead of jumping right into school, especially. So I would definitely change. I I don't think I would go now if I if I had the decision to make. Yeah, or or ch- or change maybe not full on four year college degree, but change how you learned or or what you learned. Yeah, exactly. And I um, I would say you know we're all my dad and and Logan we're all different. We all bring different things to the table and I'm definitely, those two are a lot more naturally gifted when it comes to manual work, learning how to just naturally put things together. Uh, My brain doesn't work as well that way, but I'm a testament to the fact that, you know, if you stick with something, this new, new avenue that we went through with techno metal posts that, um, you can master things like welding. Um, I do a lot of the welding for us and um, proud of the fact that I, I stuck with that and was able to master it. So if I, okay. you know, can encourage people to stick with learning a new task, a new ability. So, so um, the, the welding that you learned, Cody, was that like on the job or did you have to, Right. A lot of on the job. Yeah, we did. I know we did a couple classes through a local, uh, welding okay. shop and, um, 
Logan helped me out with a, a lot of technique and stuff with that. Um, uh, and repetition, just doing it over and over again. But, um, yeah, it's, anybody can learn these types of skills. It's just, you know, it's frustrating when you're going through it and you don't necessarily, it doesn't come as easy for you as somebody else, but, um, anybody can do it. And yeah, there, there, there was, there was something that we had a previous guest on the show. He mentioned, he's like, the first time you do anything, it's going to be shit. <laughs> you know, the first time you start anything, it's, it's gonna a good be way sh- to put it. Yeah, it's gonna be, you're, you're gonna be shit at it, and then it's it's just you know r- constant repetition, practicing, asking the right questions, and um, you know having the right people around you. I mean, I think it's awesome. One, you know, for for you, Tim, to you know have taken that forefront, you know, with the 20 years experience of the house building, and then you know moving into this area of the of the trades and. Uh, being able to help in different ways for mm-hmm. um, for these installers and for consumers, um, but I imagine you, Logan. It sounds like you came in out of the womb with a hammer in hand, nails in hand. <laughs> and, uh, what, what was your experience? What, what was your uh, you getting into everything? Yeah, I think you hit it spot on. I, for whatever reason, you know, real young age, I was always outside doing something. I got that from my dad and my grandpa. Um, you know, grabbing a bow, going out to the pond. I grew up on, you know, 40 acres of land. And so, um, I would just go get lost in the, in the outdoors. And, uh, my, um, grandparents lived across the street from us growing up, which was really cool. Um, my grandpa and dad taught wood shop for a combined, I don't know, 40 plus years. Um, and so I would go to my grandpa's shop across the street and, uh, he would say, what do you want to build? And I said, a sword or like a fish tank stand or, you know, so we'd be welding, we'd be woodworking. I learned what tools do, how to do them, operate them safely. And then um, pretty early on in life, seven or eight years old, um, I started picking up scraps in my dad's uh, job site and I would grab the scraps, put them in the dumpster and I'd be watching them build, and I was so frustrated because I wanted to do that. I was like, why can't I do that? I'm the scrap guy. So anyways, I not too far after that, um, started framing, um, doing basement finishes, complete you know, custom homes, building decks, and uh, did that in all of my summers um, growing up um, in school. But... Um, yeah, I, you know, I wanted, like Cody, I wanted to go to college. That's, that was like the standard um, thing to do for all my friends. And um, I knew I was good with my hands. I was not good at school, especially school that um, didn't catch my interest. Um, And so I went to uh, college in Colorado, uh, community college, and uh, tried, you know, getting my business degree at the first year of school was just horrible. I hated it. Like, oh man, coming from hands-on stuff to, to that, I was just like, this is, this is horrible. So I, I decided to take a year off, um, kind of regroup. And I, uh, became an electrician for, oh uh, geez, I don't know, six months, eight months or so. And, uh, I got stuck doing the night shift, um, a light retrofit, and I was working, you know, six at night to six in the morning and it was miserable. And so, um, I liked learning what I learned there and I, you know, I still use that to this day, but 
Um, I then picked up um, studying architecture and uh, man, it just clicked with me. Um, from all the framing background, looking at plans, seeing how things are constructed, I, I was getting straight A's at that point. And uh, so, you know, you can be in the trades and get a degree um, and you'll apply it. I still use it to this day, but in my final semester of school, dad saw a commercial on uh, HGTV about helical piers and he said, oh, let's start that. So, you know, I was going to use my architecture degree to draw all of our house plans and um, I still do some plans every now and then, but um, kind of made the shift. Um, you know, after I got my degree, um, we started installing helical piers. And so, you know, a day-to-day -day, um, install for me is, uh, you know, Cody and I do a lot of driving. Um, we, you know, grab whatever piers we need for the day. We go to a job site. We look at the plans. Um, we lay a bunch of batter boards out, string lines, um, and we look at the plans, get everything perfectly laid out where we need the piers to go. And then um, I typically run the machines um, that install the piers and uh, I do the occasional welding. Cody um, has done a great job picking up welding. And um, uh, so we, you know, we all have our role and uh, that seems to just be how it, how it fell. But um, yeah, uh, um, you know, we've got a lot of people in the trades. We've met a lot of great contractors and we learn a different thing from every contractor. Um, like, like I was saying earlier, before we started recording, I, one of our contractors, Philip Purdy Stonecroft, um, in the Springs, he taught me two days ago to how to tie this certain knot. Um, and so I find that if you, uh, if you can just listen and get as much wisdom from other people that have done it in the trades, um, you will, you know, snowball on life, you'll, you'll figure out, um, what to do here and, you know, you'll become an ultimate problem solver. And, um, you know, that, that's a good thing, especially, you know, at my house, I'm able to finish my basement myself and, uh, do projects around the house. Um, my wife loves it. Be careful how much, you know, you tell her you can do because she'll keep you busy, but, um, yeah. So, um, I was pretty fortunate to have, um, you know, very handy uh, men in my life growing up and um, to teach me those things. Um, so I would suggest to any, you know, young listeners out there, um, if you if you weren't built for, you know, certain parts of college, don't do it. Um, take in as much wisdom as you can from people in the trades. If you, if you like working with your hands, um, don't be afraid to attack it and, uh, good things will come. Um, but yeah, I think there's, you know, that's the huge misconception with, um, at least for me, you know, going to college, it just wasn't necessary. And, um, I, you know, I still use that stuff, but you don't need to bury yourself in student loans or debt. Um, you can start, you know, working immediately. You can still have those friends. You're not going to you know, any good friend is not going to abandon you because you didn't go to college because you didn't do what, you know, someone else did. Um, yeah, I can totally agree with you on that. It's like, you know, where 
every day we're all going through challenges and for anybody like challenge could be personal challenge could be on the professional sides and that's where you know we talked about the misconception of the trades the view of um you know the opportunities or the hard work the labor that goes into it but also on the other side the challenges of when you you may like we were all in school whether it was a teacher whether it was a counselor principal anybody telling us like, oh, you need to go to college. You know, this is exactly what you need to do. Um, this is, you know, and then, of course, you got friends around you that surround you. Those are those challenges that I think a lot of the young adults may be uh, facing today. You know, the the view that's behind it. Um, and, and like you said, they may not be fortunate to have the exposure to it at an early age. And mm-hmm. I think that's something, like you mentioned, where if uh, you, you had your, your, your granddad's, um, you know, putting on wood shop for for the longest time and that's not even in schools anymore also and hopefully that's something that's that is it definitely is <coughs> coming back out here in california that we've seen uh which is exciting and we want to make sure it's going to be out there for everybody else but i mean in, in uh, do you guys have kids you guys have kids yourselves not i have one yeah, yeah. he's he's about 18 months old and yeah already climbing up and he loves cars, so maybe I need to find a mechanic. That <laughs> there you go. Some stuff. Yeah, and, and, and those and those are those challenges where you know you know anybody that's has kids or even still looking to change into different an industry in the construction area, where they they're going to be faced with challenges, not knowing too much about it. I mean, what, what do you guys see um, the challenges maybe that you faced going into techno met, uh, uh, going into the business of techno metal post? Were there any barriers that you guys had to cross? Boy, you know, I was just thinking as we were list, I was listening to everybody. Um, you know, it's great. Um, I think most people are able to learn how to do various things. Um, you know, like learning to read plans, um, you know, learning how to weld um, two pieces of metal together, learning how to glue up a, you know, a a cutting board, learning how to lay out a a wall, um, you know, with a bunch of windows and doors in it. Um, We can learn all that, but I think, you know, the, and I've been self-employed, but there are so many other um, intricate things you know in a business and i think that's maybe the one of the biggest challenges is learning how to run a business that's very different from um you know things you've done before so you know that's another element of of what we do is running you know running the business so uh you know from invoicing uh doing estimates and you know communicating with the customer as far as your your installation timeline um another huge thing we do are you know utility locate requests uh because we're punching stuff in the ground all the time and there's always utilities in the way buried utilities gas lines electric lines so you know from a uh, from a business standpoint we've had to learn how to do a lot of different things versus when i was a contractor you know, building houses where I had subcontractors and that was maybe more of a, a managing of people. Um, whereas this is actually managing, you know, inventory um, of products and we're, gosh, we just do, there's so many things that we've had to learn. And I think that's part of the reason it takes 
you know, some time um, to be, become profitable. It took us really about five years uh, before we were seeing profit. Um, and, you know, with, there's a lot of metrics, you know, we, we do, do talk to people like Philip Purdy of Stonecroft. And, you know, I think Philip's really good at managing um, a similar business, as, you know, to being a home contractor. Only he does decks, but he's got it really mastered, really smart about how he approaches, you know, marketing, which is another element of uh, what I didn't really have to do before as a home builder. You know, I would get phone calls from people saying, you know, can you come give us a quote on building a house or, you know, this and that. And then, you know, now our marketing is very different because we're, we're, we're doing a smaller dollar amount. We're in a different place every day. And so we're, you know, the marketing that we do, um, that's something that we've had to learn. Cody did a lot of that initially. Um, mm -hmm. And now we sort of all chip in, um, you know, to do, we do a lot of ask for Google reviews. Um, and we, you know, we're always trying to uh, keep track of what's going on with all of our contractors, you know, and there's a lot of personal relationship um, involved with our business. So, we're, you know, we're checking on contractors a lot and like guys that we haven't, haven't used us in three or four months. Um, it's like, what's going on? You know, are you bidding jobs? Can we get you some quotes on, you know, stuff? Can we refine our process to make it easier for you to want to use us? Um, so there's, yeah, there's been a lot of, a lot of things to learn and mm -hmm. it's, you know, that part's been fun. And I, I would say that we're, we're still not there. We haven't arrived, you know, at that being really, really good at what we do. I think I have to look at it as there's there's always companies, there's always other dealers that sort of have been a benefit for us. There, we can talk to other dealerships that are successful, you know, in back east somewhere, Vermont. Um, there's quite a few dealers in the on along the eastern coast, and uh, some of them are super successful. So we can bounce ideas off them and we do that a lot. We talk with a lot of other dealers and that's, you know, I think that being in that, a business that is either a, a dealership or a, um, you know, another, like a McDonald's type, re you know, restaurant part yeah. of a chain. Mm -hmm. um, there's people have, man, there's some smart people out there and you just really have to tap into, you know, some of the things that work for you and, uh, be willing to, uh, you know, be a learner, be someone that's humble um, and just learn how to listen to other people. Like Logan said, watching, watching and listening to other people is, is really crucial to developing a really good skill set for a business. So Quick question for you, Tim, on the uh, social media, the marketing, you guys all seem to pitch in and have that down. Um, the financial or the business management is that uh, mostly you, or do you all all three sit down and uh, divide yeah, that up? Actually, or? yeah, Cody and I do a lot of that. Um, we mm -hmm. all sort of do estimates, um, you know, for jobs. We get phone calls. We have to all of us. We're we're finding out now that we get phone calls, um, you know, from referrals. So, so someone will have given you know, Logan's number out. So if Logan got a, a call yesterday while we were on a job um, 
sometimes our business phone it does ring through to all of our cell phones okay. so we're all fielding calls and so from a you know an estimate standpoint we we all do estimates i typically do you know the invoicing um those guys report back to me what what they put in the ground and what we should bill for um and then you know i i or i do all the ordering so i kind of keep track of inventory but I bounce things off the guys, you know, to make sure it's like, what do you think we need this next month or two months down the road? Um, and then I have a pretty good, um, I think, a, my finger on the pulse of, you know, what we've got coming up in the future where we need to order uh, some materials uh, for a job in two months time. So there's, you know, there's always looking at that. And then there's each month there's, looking at how's, how did, how was our income compared to last year at this time? And like, you know, kind of keeping your eye on maybe, uh, you know, 20,000 foot view of the business. Yeah. Um, and we've always said, you know, that we want to, we want to have, keep it fairly small. We don't want to have, you know, 35 crews out there. That's not our goal. Our goal is really to build, uh, build the brand of Technometal Post and the brand recognition of, you know, our company's logo. Um, we're geared far more towards residential construction than commercial, although we do dabble in, you know, commercial jobs as well. Um, but we want to keep it fairly small um, so it's manageable. And, you know, we can each, our family, um, each family can make a good, living and have a very steady income and a very stable job um you know with good assets and you know our, our hope is to pro you know one day have our own um our own yard and facility where it's you know we own all that uh, we own a lot of our equipment but um yeah it's a it's a i feel like our business is just it's thriving it's growing and then you know we'll hire some temp temporary people maybe i don't know we it, it, for whatever reason it seems like we've had people we hire them and it, they last about a year year and a half and then they want to go do something else you know for whatever reason um and the work we do is is pretty hard it's physical and you know some people don't like to travel so they don't know what they're getting into and you know they sign up and uh, but right now it's just us three and then you know we'll have a Typically, we'll have one more person, maybe two, in the really busy season. And I know some of the dealerships, um, they have more people than we do. And, you know, they they do 20,000 peers a year. You know, we're, we're less than that. We are probably about 2,000 peers a year um, is what we install. So, yeah, we have room to grow a little bit. And um, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. W w one thing, like you were mentioning earlier, um, from the different aspects of running a business, the different aspects of uh, the communication that you guys have to have between each other, um, and the duties and the tasks that need to get done. I mean, one thing that kind of popped out to me, it seems like, is like you said that you're 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 at the growth stage, and for anybody listening, if they're if they're listening to this, it, this is where. Um, I think a lot of uh, business owners in the construction trades will need to voice that out to anybody that's working with them, you know, as employees, 
or whether it's a family member, whether it's uh, um, a friend, if letting them know like, hey, there are opportunities within our business, like you said, that it may not have to be geared towards the heavy labor. Obviously, anybody hands all hands on deck that helps out tremendously. Uh, but there's aspects of a of a growing business on the side, like you mentioned, if they're just uh, uh, sending out estimates and imagining you guys being able to go out and get the jobs done, you know, uh, easier with someone else doing other estimates, you know, and mm-hmm. getting to know the product, getting to know the, the, the procedure that you guys personally have. So I think that's a, a big testament that I think a lot of, like we were mentioning, some challenges that people may see, you know, like, oh, I'd have to go straight into you know, hard labor. Well, you got, you got to learn it somehow. You know, you're going to have to learn the process. You're going to have to go out to the jobs and check it out. Uh, but of course there's always that room for growth if, if they stick with it throughout a certain time period. And, um, hopefully that's, that's something that's going to be coming towards you guys, uh, in the near future where, uh, even you guys will be able to step back and maybe uh, have, uh, some really solid guys on your team to take over all that. But it sounds like you guys are doing a tremendous study. You said you guys are doing 2000 jobs a year, right? Um, yeah, well, 2,000 peers, so 2000 peers, it yeah. could be anywhere from one peer to, you know, 20 or 30 on mm-hmm. a job, but yeah. um, we might, the longest we're you typically at one place is a couple days, mm-hmm. um, and then we're, you know, a lot of, we do a lot of half-day jobs and set a job up for the morning and then one for the afternoon, um, and it just depends, and then, yeah, we get some place, like we did a job yesterday, and we ended up going putting piers into 21 feet deep, which we didn't really expect. So that all takes longer. It takes longer to weld and uh, weld those sections together and screw them into the ground. But um, yeah, and it's kind of a, I was going to say too, that there's, I've learned um, in my life that so much of the trades, um, they transfer to each other. It's like, I know a lot about um, electrical being, a, you know, I'm not an electrician, but I can definitely do a lot of things electrical and I can do a lot of things plumbing because I've seen them, um, you know, and I used to manage subcontractors that did all that work. So you just by watching what other people do, you yeah, that's most of really valuable it. things about other trades and a lot of it transfers. So, you know, like Logan and I do a lot of, we've done a lot of plan drawing. Um, and so we know what to look for on plans. We know how the structure is going to be built. I think it's really vital that you know those basic things. You know, learning how to read plans. It's um, it's not rocket science, but boy, some of it gets pretty complicated. And you know, you have to have a little bit of vision for the end product. In our case, we ask people a lot: What's your end game on this deck? Are you going to have a hot tub sitting on it eventually? Are you going to have a roof built over it? Are you going to add, you know, an expensive outdoor kitchen area? Uh, we we would like to know all that before we put the piers in and calculate, you know, the load capacity that's needed for these piers. So, you know, we're we're sort of helping people envision what they're gonna what their end game is for their their job. Um, some of it comes, you know, and it's just a deck, and so that's why we ask people, you know, what are you going to do here? Are you going to you know, and, and uh, anyway, it's just a another one of those business things where it's like, yeah, you better better be very thorough with your communication. And um, even though we try to think of everything and project answers to people's questions, it's like 
you can't you know how it is in the trades you cannot communicate effectively enough even though you think you are um somebody will miss something uh, we had a a presentation we did one time we we all talked for about 45 minutes about what we do and at the very end this lady raises her hand and goes i don't get it i don't get what you're doing <laughs> so it's like oh i guess we had to rethink how we're talking about this yeah um because we've talked for 45 minutes and this lady didn't have any idea what we do so sometimes you got to back up and uh you know we can all be better with our communication but um anyway it's yeah it's a fun business and a lot of challenges even i mean all the time it's construction so you know it's, it's a moving target most days but um i was gonna add to that um it might be a good opportunity to kind of explain exactly what a helical pier is and how it works yeah. Um, that, that would be great, Logan. I was just going to ask your dad, why did you guys have to go down 20 feet? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so it seems uh, pretty deep. Yeah. Yeah. Here it in is. Colorado and all over, there's, you know, different soils. You've got decomposed granite, you got clay, silt, sand, um, and all of those soils have different um, bearing capacities. Um, and so, for instance, um, when you, look at a set of plans that call out helical piers. It typically will have a, a detail where a structural engineer says that this pier needs to support 10,000 pounds. Um, so what we do is we have a load chart and we look for that 10,000 pound load and we transfer that from a compression load into a torque reading and then torque into a hydraulic pressure gauge reading, which we have mounted on our machines. So essentially what we're doing is spinning the pier and making sure that that pier is going to support the required load that the engineer called out. So yesterday on our job, um, we needed to hit a 7,000 pound load for a deck and roof combo. and so while we're spinning that pier in we're looking at the gauge say it needs to hit um a thousand psi on the gauge is ten thousand pounds um if we don't reach that um that means it's not gonna support the load so we weld the extension onto that pier and we drive it down um deeper into higher bearing soil so um a lot of people are familiar with concrete caissons or other products on the market that don't measure soil bearing capacity. And uh, when you dig a concrete case on, um, they just, you know, it's it can be anywhere from 10 to 18 inches diameter. We're starting to see it even bigger, um, 24 inches diameter. And um, then anyways, the, the building um, department comes out, they inspect the hole and they say, yep, sure enough, you're three feet deep, you're below frost line, it's you know 18 inches diameter, it's good to go. But what they aren't doing is measuring the soil bearing capacity because how do you know that that soil is a minimum of 1500 PSF soil? Um, that's what they're saying when they inspect it. And so by installing helical piers, um, you know exactly what that pier will support. 
Um, so you're removing the guesswork and um, that's why it's the best foundation product on the market. And uh, it it's great for contractors to use because um, they have a far better warranty than um, competition. Um, usually a lot of deck builders have a one year warranty. Um, with ours, we're 25 years um, and we guarantee it's not going to move. And um, just to uh, to that testament, we have never had a call back on any of the piers that we put in the ground. And um, so, you know, think about you're doing a brand new deck build. Um, it costs, you know, 40, 50 grand, whatever it might be. Um, I'm pretty sure the homeowner is going to want it to not move. Mm -hmm. And I would argue that the most important part of a deck is the foundation. Because as soon as you get movement, whether it's expansive soil or maybe, you know, the soil wasn't 1500 PSF, like the building um, department said, um, yeah, the deck moves, then you're back doing warranty work. So we give a better product, better warranty, and um, we love doing it too. So it's uh, it's been fun to watch it grow and make different um uh relationships with those contractors and uh not only that but we we're helping the the industry we want we want to see it you know better we want to um teach people um and educate on soil or foundations because you know when you're a deck builder you don't really know those things they don't you don't really get to hear that so um we're really grateful for the opportunity to come on here and you know not only teach about what we do but help young people in the trades and uh let them know that there's another thing out there to do um it's a unique niche and uh it's uh it's been good so so logan you guys use different size piers and they're basically shaped like a gigantic screw bit yeah um what what's the smallest one you'd use and what's the largest one you guys used so um it ranges and we prescribe a different pier for different applications um if you've got you know maybe a small load maybe a thousand pound load it doesn't require you know a real heavy duty pier so um we start typically with a 10 inch helix um we can navigate that through rock real well um there are ways to torque up faster at a shallower depth and you can do that by increasing the diameter of the helix, um, or you can add another helix on the same pier shaft. So um, say you need to go, like um, we had a job up in Boulder a couple of years ago where we went 50 feet deep. It was like Play-Doh all the way down to bedrock. And uh, that was just not gonna be feasible for, um, the the HOA it was a apartment complex and so we backpedaled a little bit prescribed a pier that would be um, a little more suitable um, to torque up faster so what we did was we started with a 12 inch helix on the bottom and then three feet above it um, was a 14 inch helix and then above that was a 16 inch helix so we were able to torque up um, at about 12 feet, if I remember right, and uh, save 
um, the HOA money um, and be able to guarantee um, the product. So there's a lot of engineering behind what we do. And we've got a in-house structural engineer, James, um, and he oversees a lot of what we do. Um, he's an expert in helical piers and um, he'll look at a soils report if you have one and be able to tell you exactly, you know, what you need to do as far as sizing the helix. Um, and so we look at a lot of like blow counts um, for soil reports, um, or if there's like an expansive layer in a soil core, um, James will say, you got to get through that expansive layer and then worry about the torque. Um, because you can torque up in an expansive layer of soil, um, but then it has the potential to move up and down because it's in that layer. So um, it's really the latest and greatest uh, foundation application. Uh, and those are some of the reasons why. Uh, what'd you call it? A blow count? What's that? Yeah. So basically a, a blow count test is a, uh, it's a, you know, there's different soils um, testing people that go out and they, they have a big hammer. I think it's a 120 pound hammer that they will drop um, from X amount of feet into the ground. And then they measure that settlement of how much it went in the ground. And so in clay, you probably have a really, um, it, it'll settle a bunch. And so they record this data, you know, it takes five drops of the hammer to go, um, you know, four feet in the ground or whatever, you know, uh, so we can look at that and say, well, we'll probably torque up in this layer, which is at 20 feet deep, um, to support 30,000 pounds or whatever. So we can get real accurate estimates, um, off of information like that. And, um, another way for us to give better estimates is to look at our database. So Technometal Post has a app and, um, website for dealers that you can, record all this information because you know we work all over Colorado someone calls and says I want to do a tiny home cabin um up in the mountains and so we can say what's your address we type in their address in our database we pull up the closest job that we've done to their house and typically that soil is going to be very similar so we can look at the field report it says you know we went seven feet deep or 14 feet deep and um, it helps us gauge um, everything. So every job we do, we're we're mapping Colorado, um, and we're just we're covering more and more area. And uh, it's pretty cool when you pull up the map and you can see, you know, thousands of jobs you've done. Um, you can click on each one, and uh, you're just constantly okay. learning, getting quite, more data. Quite, quite interesting. I had a, a well drilled, uh, I don't know, five years ago or so, and the the well drillers I was getting estimates from they'd come out and like it did one here that went so many feet and you know the soil was like that it's kind of the same thing interesting yeah yeah and, and the way that you're mentioning where it's like a a database so there's like a system behind it where you guys can keep track of all your spots that you've drilled and being able to get those samples so I mean that yeah. that in itself is a tool that I think a lot of uh, business owners can obviously benefit from whether it's you guys as personal or if it's something that, um, that other uh, um, beams have been able to beam companies have been able to 
kind of mentioned over to you that hey like this is what we use to keep track but um i mean that's and that that's like a that's a whole testament to technology too you know the different technology that you guys are diving into in the past um you know nine years of techno metal post out there um what what has been your guys's um you know what what have you guys seen through um if you've had young adults that come out and work for you, like you mentioned, like during the summer, the busy seasons and all that, um, is, I know you said that one of them actually, like they went on to a different trade or a different job. Um, what's been like the misconception out there, I guess, in your part of the, of the United States of the construction trades? Uh, have you guys have, do you guys have your ear to the ground on that or what, what have you guys really been experiencing out there? Are there help wanted signs everywhere? Yeah, it's the, the labor force seems to have changed quite a bit. You know, there's a lot more people from different countries that have kind of, kind of taken over a lot of that. I think they're filling a void that's left by youth really not learning about these different trades in school like you were talking about earlier wood shop things like that is not it's coming back i have seen it a little bit but starting when i was in high school in mid 2000s mid early to mid 2000s it was starting to go away so you have a whole generation of millennials gen z in their you know 20s and 30s that have no knowledge of this so there was a void that was kind of filled by that but there's still huge opportunity for the younger groups to jump in and um yeah misconception is it's it's always going to be really hard work too um yeah it is really hard work but especially with what we do it it varies day to day um and I think people assume if, you know, you're not good at something right away or you haven't mastered it, then, well, I need to jump into something else. Um, and there's a lack of um, stick to it, stick to itness. Yeah. If that's a word, yeah. you know what I mean? Definitely, definitely not a word. <laughs> yeah. Not, not a word, today. but it has a very distinctive <laughs> meaning. Oh, I, I, I know <laughs> I know what it means. <laughs> yeah. 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 To, uh, to add to that, I like what Cody was saying. It is hard work, but, um, one of the things I listened to one of your previous podcasts with, uh, Chris Breen, uh, he said something that stuck with me and I, I'm not going to word it exactly because I don't quite remember it fully, but he said when you embrace, um, something difficult in your life, it makes more difficult things down the road easier um and so sticking things out on a job site for us you know has made us much sharper for future jobs and um i think that is a uh i don't know it's almost a a parenting thing you can grow up with it young it's like man teach your kid if they start something to finish it um and just to refine what you do and, um, you know, embrace difficult things. doesn't mean you have to, you know, constantly seek them out, but when you, when you man up to it, um, it's going to benefit you down the road. 
Yeah. Yeah. Commitment. Commitment sounds like that's a key mm-hmm. word for all of that, for um, sticking with one thing and being able to see it out. And if it doesn't happen to be the right thing that you're that you're looking for, uh, you can absolutely take that one skill and move it on to another job and another industry, totally. another place and be able to yeah. build on top of that, which is a great thing that I've been able to find through the construction trades and through the industry. Um, and, and that's something that I probably want to ask you guys, you know, uh, probably to close everything out. Let's, let's, uh, uh, let's throw this question out to you guys. Um, you know, where is this going to be for anybody, um, that's wanting to learn a skill within the construction trades? What is, what do you guys think? We'll start out with you, Tim. What's the, what's the most important skill you think for them to learn and where do they start? Where do they, where do they begin those skills? What, what do you think that, that uh, most important skill would be for anyone looking to get into construction trades? Well, gosh, it goes back, uh, reminds me a lot of my teaching. I taught industrial arts, uh, from the, really the first eight years of my career. Um, and it was always shocking to us as teachers i had a part partner you know teacher um and what it's such a basic thing but you cannot believe how many kids even the really sharp ones you know they're good at math and this and that you, they don't know how to read a ruler and it's like you know that's a basic tool that we use um every single day and you know we we we're taught algebra we're taught trigonometry we're taught um you know advanced math um you know gosh it's crazy what we're taught but and then you back it up to something so simple as reading a ruler it's like you know i i can we have to go sometimes backwards and say all right this is a really basic thing you need to know how to do and you know people don't know how to read a tape measure um, it's really important. So, I mean, that those basic skills, that would be, that would be one of them. You, you know, you need to know how to, to read a ruler, um, to do simple math. You know, we use the Pythagorean theorem, um, a lot, uh, you know, with squaring, squaring off of buildings, um, to get our peers set, right. We do this all the time. And it's sometimes it's, it's, it's very simple problem solving. Um, you know, I think we talked about it earlier, a skill of, you know, watching someone else do something and then being able to imitate that or mimic that. Logan learns a lot of stuff. If he doesn't know something, Cody doesn't know something, they go to YouTube and there's a video for it. This is something that we didn't know. We didn't have. I didn't have that as a kid. Um, but, you know, I think that's a that's a valuable tool. Um you know, there's probably some things taught wrong on YouTube. Obviously, it's like no, not on YouTube. Everything's It's always true. But yeah, but those are. I think those are good. You know, good skills. I think the uh, one of the things that really sticks out to me is that people that we've hired. Um, you know, you have to earn. A, you have to be a valuable asset for the company that you work for. So, um, you know, you need to be reliable, you need to be dependable, you need to be trustworthy. Um, you know, a lot of really basic human skills, um, are really important to us. And, you know, we're, we're willing to hire just about anybody as long as they have those basic things. And I can, 
find out pretty quick by asking referrals, you know, for them, um, is this person reliable? Are they dependable? Are they going to have some earned value to us, you know, in our company? Um, and everybody, we've been very fortunate because everybody we've hired has been, you know, all in all, very dependable, very trustworthy. Um, some of them, you know, there's quirky things that people do. Um, you know, it's hard to, I, I want to say, you know, I want people to be, have a vested interest in our company. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I want them to, um, I want them to be motivated, you know, to work hard. And, um, you know, those are just some of the skills that, you know, it, I think a lot of people are very teachable. Um, you, you'll know those people who are not teachable right away when they come in and they act like they know everything. Um, you know, when they, it's like, well, go ahead and weld. If you say you're a welder, go ahead and weld this pipe together and we'll see how, if you know what you're doing or not right away, you know, we'll know. Um, so I think that humble, that humble character trait, um, being willing to work hard and do what, you know, everybody else may not be willing to do. Um, you know, I, I'm still willing to get on my hands and knees and pound stakes in the ground because I asked that of everybody else. It's like, I need to be able to carry pipe. I need to be able, I'm not just going to be, um, you know, the guy that, that dictates all these things. Yeah, you can delegate things, but you got to be willing as an owner um, to do whatever, what you're asking everybody else to do. I think that's just a good buy-in from, yeah. um, gets good buy-in from everybody else. But you're setting the right example. Thoughts, uh, yeah. On the, yeah. As far as the skill, skills, um, those are some of the basic things I'd like to see. It's more, they're more character traits than skills. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, we, I think we can teach, we can teach a lot of skill on site just by repetition and, um, you know, I don't know what you guys think about it, but. Yeah, I was going to add that. I think, yeah, like Cody was saying earlier, he's a good testament to it. He, um, he you know, didn't initially have like the skills or whatever naturally to to do welding or do whatever but what he did have was um the humbleness and he was constantly willing to learn um and so when you are constantly a student um you are able to excel faster and um that is a cool thing about Cody that he'll he'll listen he'll watch um and really refine what you do. So constantly be a student, stay humble, watch, um, you know, what other people do. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, there's plenty of guys out there that would love to teach you, um, every trade. Like I love teaching people. I love, um, seeing that light, you know, switch go off, um, and being like, wow, I can do this. It gives you so much confidence and there's a, just something um, almost wired into, um, wired into people to, uh, have that satisfaction of building something, um, knowing how it works. And, um, yeah, those are the, some of the tools that I would say are most helpful. You can learn anything, but you got to have the right attitude. Um, you got to be willing to, to learn. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think as uh, humans, we're wired to, to teach and help. 
Um, but just like Philip showed you how to use that knot, next time you see him, you better be able to do that knot again. <laughs> I know, right? You got to no retain pressure. it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, one more um, one more thing I would add. I think this is a transferable skill to any job that you do, anything in life, is being able to work with people. Um, you know, people... They forget what you do for them, but they they never remember or never forget how you made them feel. Absolutely. Um, and so I think that's something I've learned through teaching. Um, and I'm able to teach, you know, contractors and things now on what we do, but uh, relationships and stuff, regardless of what you do in the trades, if you leave a trade, go do something else the way you treat people, the way you build relationships, that's invaluable as far as a skill that you can carry going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. Great point. It's like that soft skill that a lot of people that sometimes they forget, you know, you just gotta be able to, you know, be that human being, decent human being, um, to, you know, for one, portray your, your business, your, your goals, your mission statement, your, your values, uh, through your business and through the work that you're doing, you know, it could be great. And then, but you, you just can't be an a-hole, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can do a great job and you just don't want to be an a-hole, you know, that, that, yeah. that wouldn't be good. But and we um, deal with those every day, but <laughs> yeah, there's a few, I could name names big time. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Yeah. I bet. But and, yeah, yeah. That's another skill that we have had to learn is, like, don't lose your temper. Don't lose your cool. Yeah. You know, try to be a good advocate for our our bigger company, you know, Techno Metal Post. Be a good dealer, um, you know, because we have a reputation that we want to keep good and solid. So that takes work. And sometimes, man, we just have to suck it up and, you know, take some criticism or whatever you know, is coming at us and we work really hard to be, man, we work really hard to do a good job. And mm -hmm. these guys are phenomenal um, with people. And yeah, I couldn't ask for more, you know, and that's the hard thing about hiring a new person. It's like, are you good with people? You know, we'll find out really quick. Um, and we'll hear things from, I hear things all the time about these guys from contractors and it's, it's always a very solid testament to who they are um, as people, you know, and, and uh, how they represent. It's really cool. To oh, see. good. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what it's about. You guys are representing the Pikes Re Peak region super well, you know, so, um, you know, and then that's, that's what it's all about, you know, for us to have you guys come on the show, um, you know, for you, Tim, Logan, Cody, to want to express your experience, your background, the business that you guys have been in, um, your, your teaching backgrounds, which is a huge thing also. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's the youth that are going to continue to keep building, um, our country, this world. And for us to be able to do our part through the trades podcast all together for us here, this is, uh, this is what it's all about, you know, for us to hear Very your cool. guys' story. So yep. really appreciate you, all three of you coming on, taking your time. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to get all yeah, your information out there. Uh, we're going to get all the information out there uh, for everybody to reach out to you guys. Uh, like you said, once it comes back around that spring season, you know, it's a pretty big, uh, big season for you guys. So 
Um, you know, what's the best way to reach out to you guys to get more information? Where can they uh, uh, find you and and uh, and uh, reach out? Yeah, so we've got we've got a lot of social media. Um, you can find us just uh, search Techno Metal Post Pikes Peak Region. Um, we we post daily videos um, of what we're doing, um, different applications of uh, how it can help you, um, different products. Um, we're on Facebook. Um, we're technometalpost.com. Yep. It's our website. Resource. It's got all kinds of, uh, good details on there, but, um, yeah, Google anything. There's, we're trying to get as much exposure as we can. So we want to thank you guys for having us and, uh, just helping out the industry as a whole. It's been awesome to hear your podcast and, uh, now be a part of it. And, uh, yeah, we're just, we're just real grateful. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, appreciate, appreciate you guys. It very much. Yeah, thank you guys. Yep. Appreciate it. The Trades Podcast. I want to tell you about Sage IT Systems. I have personally met with Judy, who gave me the behind-the-scenes tour of how Sage IT Systems works and helps out their clients. They've been helping my construction company for a couple years with all the challenges of COVID, taking staff remote, server backup, everything a business needs from an IT company, Sage IT Systems has been doing for us. The support they're giving to the Trades Podcast is fantastic. I highly recommend Sage IT. If you need a review of your IT systems, please reach out to Judy. Her cell phone, 619-743-5870, or you can go to sage-it.com. That's S-A-G-E-I-T.com. Thank you so much for your support for the Trades Podcast.